results happen in the recovery. You know, that's where all of it happens. And if you're not putting your body in a, in a position, in a rest and digest parasympathetic state, it's not going to release anything. It's not going to lose any body fat. It's sure as hell not going to be in a position to build much muscle. Nope. Um, and it just really starts there. But again, when, when all we're being told is that, you know, we live in a we live in a culture where more 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 yep more um, equals better i say that right? a lot it, that, that you know true. and that that's just you know been force fed you know mm -hmm. to us for so long and until we have more people walking around and being living proof that are getting the results and getting it done right. without killing themselves in a very well balanced way um you know it's it's always going to be the case that all we are going to be able to do is more and more, more so like we have to as leaders and coaches really um live that life if, if we believe in it we we need to promote it and not just sell and promote the thing that puts money in our pocket let's link up with krista on the fix she's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength What's happening, everybody? Welcome to episode 28 of The Fix. As always, I am your host, Krista Huber, and today, joined by Jacob Saldana, right over from the West Coast, we sat down to talk about his multiple businesses that he has, all of which are a part of the wellness space, but attack it from different angles. So as you'll hear, Jacob, alongside of his brothers, who are his business partners, is the owner of multiple anytime fitness locations covering the physical fitness piece. He also has a really cool superfood cafe, several of them to be exact, called Fit Bar Cafe. And most recently has delved into the recovery space with a new company called Space Bar Wellness, focusing on things like breath work, compression therapy, what they call cold immersion or just think of it like an ice bath. And we really got into a great conversation weaving in his journey of how these businesses have come to light and really where he's kind of taken them over the course of the last few years to talk about why there are so many different avenues and access points that we can get into for our fitness and wellness journeys, but more specifically why it's important to realize that we can't continue to just focus on one and think that that's the only way we are going to achieve results. He makes a great point towards the end of the episode talking about the results really being in the recovery and, and that being a big piece as to why after very much establishing their businesses in the anytime fitness space and then as through the Fit Bar Cafes and focusing on fitness and food first, then moving into this recovery piece. And I'm really excited for you guys to check out this conversation. I think there's a lot to learn just in terms of the actual wellness practices and his perspective on those, especially talking about breath work and the like. And then some really tangible advice and great perspective on the challenges of entrepreneurship and building so many different businesses that have so many different demands associated with them and trying to do it all, grow as a leader, grow as a professional. So if you're somebody who is a coach, who runs an online business, has a brick and mortar business, whatever it is, 
Jacob shares a lot of candid perspective on the growth and success and trials and tribulations that they've had so far and the decisions that need to be made to take all of these projects and more to the next level. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. If you do, let us know what you liked about it. Reach out to us. Leave a review. Really important for the show. Appreciate that. And love connecting with you guys on social media. So if you're a listener out there and I haven't talked to you before, would love for you to hit me up at the Krista Huber on Instagram or my fix Instagram account for the actual show is at the fix.officialpod. And just drop me a line. Let me know what you're enjoying about these episodes. Let me know what you're looking to learn more about. I've got a bunch of great new content coming your guys' way. Some cool new products and partnerships and exciting things to, to announce in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for all of that. And now let's catch up with Jacob Saldana. Who the heck is Jacob Saldana and why should we care about you? Well... Uh, I guess, I mean, I do struggle with that question, you know, because a lot of the work we do is trying to let go of the identities and the labels that others put on us, let alone the ones that we put on ourselves. But uh, to wrap it up in a nutshell, I guess I would describe myself as a health uh, lifestyle entrepreneur. Um, I have businesses in regards to gyms, um, superfood cafes, and now uh, kind of a holistic wellness center called Space Bar. Um, and I think you should care about me because I'm one of those few that will keep it absolutely 100 all of the time to the point where I had to establish three different businesses because I didn't feel comfortable with just selling fitness or personal training (laughs) as this end all be all. So I was like, damn, I got to create a nutrition option for you. I got to create a recovery option for you because I truly understand the holistic um, approach to this lifestyle if we want it to be sustainable. So I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I, I take pride in not being somebody who dives too deep in one direction and tries to become a guru in that space. I'm that guy who knows a little bit about everything. So that's why you should care about me. And because I care about you, shit. There we go. Love that. (laughs) Love that. That's one of the best answers I've gotten. So now, you know, you set the bar even higher for the guests that come on after you. But that's a good thing, right? Challenging ourselves to be better. I'll take it. So before we get into your path to how you've gotten to where you are today, some of the challenges that you've been currently facing, have faced over the past year, keeping it light, what's your go-to coffee order? Um, I do just like it black. Um, so part of that is probably from my dieting days, okay. you know what I mean? Um, yep. and trying to eliminate the, the unnecessary calories. Where you um, can. So when it's something that I'm doing every single day, um, I try to keep it basic, but a little bit on the bougie side, I am a big fan of fan of like medicinal mushrooms. So okay. integrating those into our drinks, um, because I am aware of trying not to become too dependent on one thing, whether it's caffeine or mm-hmm. whatever substance it might be, um, to like mixing um, some of those reishi mushrooms in like a nice calming latte is is also a favorite. Do you have a favorite among the brands in that space that are starting to emerge? It's becoming uh, we've a been, hot thing. Uh, yeah, now we've been with Four Sigmatic since day one. So when we opened our first cafe in 2015, uh, Four Sigmatic was just kind of, getting started and you know we've had them um, ever since so we use their elixirs and several different uh drinks um yeah so four sigmatic has been our go-to nice 
So let's start with Fitbar then. Um, and you know, to give this rest of this conversation a little bit of context, maybe if you do want to move in somewhat of a chronicle, chronological, excuse me, order, um, great. But you know, it sounds like that was really your one of your original babies, if you want to call it that. Um, and what was the impetus behind starting Fitbar and starting the cafe? Yeah. Um, so like me and my brothers, uh, we're business partners and we've kind of done everything together. So, you know, we never really had any vision or dreams of being entrepreneurs. Um, never really had any kind of framework for it. No examples. Um, it wasn't until, you know, um, like in my case, the relationship, um, got me to try to think outside of the box and how I could figure out how to relocate or whatever it was. Right. So that's what kind of first planted a seed. And we, we started with, with Jim. So we bought into the anytime fitness, um, franchise mm -hmm. somehow pulled all of our money. And, you know, this was at a pretty young age and the anytime fitness was, um, was, it was established, but they weren't the, the franchise that they are currently. So they Sorry. took a chance on a couple of young guys without, really anything to put up except for some credit cards and whatnot. Um, so we opened up these gyms and, you know, we, we, we had two of them and, you know, real quickly, you know, we, at that time, this was 2011, 2012, um, you know, there was this idea of, 20, of, of Anytime Fitness, which is kind of a hands-off uh, gym model 24 seven, everyone got key swipes. Um, but we knew that we wanted to have a little bit more of a, of a community around what we did. So, sure. you know, we, we came out the gates with a lot of personal training, both private and, and semi-private. And, you know, our goal was to really um, have some influence over the lives of our members and, you know, get them the results that they were ultimately coming to us for. Right. And it's like, we, so the training conversation was pretty easy for us to have, but in order to get these results, like we needed to have some conversation of nutrition and none of that was, was happening, you know, it just wasn't the environment for it. And it seems counterintuitive and where they go hand in hand for, you know, a lot of us now, Absolutely. like we, we, we try to, but, but back then, and even now, you know, honestly, like we can talk about it with the three different businesses that I have, like you we're trying to get people to connect the dots, but people mm -hmm. go to the gym because they think that that is going to solve their problems. You know, like, so they're going to the gym because maybe they're more fitness oriented or they've received more fitness messaging and that that's going to have them feeling better. So they, they weren't even willing or ready to have any kind of nutrition conversation, even though, you know, we knew that this is what they needed. So in a roundabout way, we're like, okay, if we can't have this conversation inside the gym, what's the easiest way in order to, to get them thinking about, um, you know, a post-workout smoothie in order to get this recovery process started? So we built a little uh, smoothie shack kind of in the parking lot of our gym. Um, and that was the, the first version of the Fit Bar. So we didn't even really tell our members that it was us doing it. Like, obviously, they saw oh, us kind of going okay. in there. Yeah. Um, but also, it's just like we wanted the neighborhood to see the Fit Bar as its own entity, its own business, and whatever people's perceptions of us as being gym guys, the Saldana brothers being gym guys who own this gym, we wanted to kind of have a little barrier there so that we can meet people where they are. So if somebody was coming, they could come to us without any strings attached to talk about nutrition at the fit bar and get a, you know, a smoothie or an acai bowl or whatever it might be. So just trying to create different lanes for people to find us. Um, 
so yeah, that was kind of the, the, the beginning of the fit bar, just trying to, you know, solve, solve the problems of not being able to get, you know, a nutrient dense, real smoothie in people's hands when, you know, everything else was kind of like, you know, fake strawberries and syrups and questionable supplements. So, um, yeah, that was the start of the fit bar. And, um, it's been a journey. We have five locations open now and um, definitely, definitely a beast to run, honestly, you know, um, this is where like you really have to start thinking about who you are as an entrepreneur, what kind of characteristics you bring to the table, um, because running something as simple looking as like a smoothie bar becomes really challenging because there's a lot oh, of yeah. day to day um, things that need to be managed. So you need to be a pretty process oriented person in order to operate within those margins. So yeah, it's been, been interesting. So let's talk about that piece, especially in the context of working with your siblings. Um, I imagine there are some challenges there, right? Just in the familiar, familial relationship crossing over with the business piece. Um, did you guys pretty quickly like figure out how your roles would shake out in managing that or what did those potential growing pains look like? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like some of the growing pains that we still suffer from to today, because, sure. you know, we have this this very common work ethic. So that was always our strong point. Like, again, like we didn't have these unique characteristics where like somebody's like really good at marketing. One's the numbers guy. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, we all wore every single hat. So <laughs> that's, you know, you, you know, you, when when you're big about like on like self um, improvement, right, you start recognizing um, these things about yourself um, and the things that got you to where you are aren't necessarily the things that are going to get you to that next level. Um, so the things that I'm very grateful about within me and my brother's uh, relationships and personalities is that we, we are diehard for each other, first and foremost, and then we are willing to do what it, what it takes. So we each um, held full-time jobs when we first opened our gyms. Um, so we each worked, you know, 40 hours a week, and then we had two days off. And since there was three of us, we each filled in two days at the gym and we opened the gym six days a week. Um, so with that being said, like we all did every aspect of it, which was needed because we were essentially part-time, full-time at sure, the, at the sure. gym. Mm -hmm. we, um, so early on by doing that, that's what got us open, got us successful. Um, but now we, like, we really need to focus on delegating and assigning different tasks and different roles. Um, so that's been kind of a challenge to come out of because you get so used to doing things a certain way um, and to a certain standard that you can do as, you know, knowing exactly what you want that end product to look like um, and being able to back away from that and then delegate has been definitely a challenge and a learning curve um, for us. But relationship wise, like we're pretty much there since there's three of us, um, we were able to kind of like you know, vote, vote on certain things, um, when, when needed, but we, we, you typically agree on, on most things. So it's been relatively smooth. And I imagine that the delegation process and the need for it became increasingly important as you then jumped into Fitbar and we're now managing even more. Um, at what point did you leave the full-time jobs that you had to focus on any time in Fitbar? Um, for me, it was about a year into the first gym. Okay. So my situation was a little different than my brother's. So the relationship that I was in at that time is what, um, again, why I started looking to, mm -hmm. to try to do something for a little bit more passive income, um, because she was from California. 
me and my brothers were all from Seattle. So there was this, um, this need to relocate down to California. Right. So figuring out a way to do that. Um, so that's why I left my job first. So okay. I left in order to relocate to California. So mm -hmm. for that, for probably four or five years, I was flying back and forth from California to Seattle every single week. Wow. Um, and then, and then um, Daniel, my brother stayed on a little longer. And then eventually we all went full time, probably about three years into the gyms. Um, but you're right about the delegating thing. Once we started doing Fit Bar, and that was a whole nother thing. Um, and I relocated down here. Um, delegating is instrumental to moving forward. And I haven't felt more in a cross fork in the road than I do now um, in order to really get better at that. And I would imagine too, you know, the benefit of working with a family member, member often in your values being the same, and you mentioned your work ethic really matching mm -hmm. up well, there's a sense of very implicit trust and the ability to be able to kind of say something to a sibling or family member and they get what you mean. They might not take it personally if it's in the heat of the moment or something like that, right? But you also know that they're going to get the job done. You don't necessarily have that same trust when it comes to hiring somebody that you don't know all that well. Um, mm -hmm. So to take that delegation piece to the next level, obviously that means bringing in other players here. Where are you at in that process right now, having mentioned that you're at a bit of a fork in the road? where I'm at is trying to find that trust and where because and where I know that this partner or this person is going to be able to do it not necessarily how I do it but do it in a way that it has the end goal in mind Alliance. right and that that yeah. was the thing that I could always count on my brothers is like right. regardless there's there's that inherent trust that no matter what happens you got my back and I got your back and a lot of the times, you know, you don't, you, there's that insecurity with that. You know, it's one thing if it's kind of an entry level employee, I still need that person. Just, I feel like I need that person just like anybody. Like I need all those, those, those pieces to this puzzle. And over the years, people come and go. And I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm an empath or what it is, but like I get very vested and connected to, everyone that comes in here, right? So it's like when someone leaves or doesn't, you know, do something that they said they're gonna do, I, I kind of low key take that personally. And and, yeah. and in order to protect myself from that, I end up not giving that trust fully, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's been a big area of my focus to do better. And, and I know I can do that by removing myself from being in that day-to-day -day, every single moment and trying to sit back and um, make better, less emotional decisions. Um, so it's an ongoing process, but I am is. taking some conversations right now to kind of help manage me and my ideas and create a little bit more space so that I can, off I can, I can operate with a little bit more of a buffer and make more, um, more reasonable decisions. You know? And I think it can just be so hard to separate the emotional piece because you've given your life and all of your energy to this. You know, before we start hit the record button, we were talking about like, where do we find the balance of 
not losing your personal life and being able to manage your own health and your own wellness and your own stress, a lot of that protection and sense of wanting to hold on to something or react in a certain way just comes from keeping stock of like all the blood, sweat and tears you put into whatever the project is, whether that's, you know, any of the examples we're talking about with the gyms, with Fitbar, et cetera, or just something that's like a side hustle for someone or a really big passion as it, as it begins to grow. I think that's mm -hmm. really where that tension can come in. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, how it shows up for me is that, you know, this lack of trust, um, and it's not trust in in the sense that like, hey, I'm not gonna like let you close the till or even open the space. Like I'm very trusting when it comes mm -hmm. to that. Where it shows up for me is this, this, this like below the surface insecurity that things are gonna get done or, or that you're even gonna show up for a shift, right? And, and, and part of that is just because of the 10 years of doing this that unfortunately You've people had don't situations. have the work ethic mm -hmm. and, and, and aren't like, you necessarily and they're not yeah. wired the way that you are and you know they people say they're going to do something even in, in in as far as like accepting a job with certain stipulations and then not doing it so over time like i've been somewhat conditioned to to kind of feel this way um which ultimately makes me to try to get ahead of the problem okay i'm always going to be available or i'm going to be close to you know, the, the store for whatever it might be. So I'm always net. on, I'm always there and I'm always on and it doesn't allow for like the focused workout for me or the focused float for me or the sauna, because I'm always got that below the surface. Do I got it? You know what I mean? I'd like it, that. That's where it shows up for me and why it's really hard for me to balance it because, because of that. So you know, honestly, I don't even know exactly where the, where the work starts on that. Um, but it's something I haven't solved, right? Like I would love to not have that. And that's kind of what I'm working on right now is because it, it does ultimately come down to procedures and operation, you know, because if I was the type to sit down and write all these things out and have this exact system for this person, I wouldn't necessarily need to be on the be next to the phone because that's right there for them. Like I, you know what I mean? And like, that's something that I control. That's something that I can do. Um, so trying to get organized and uh, you know, more realistically get the right person with the personality to do that because I'm not that I'm not a micromanager. I'm more of like the creative type. Um, you know, I have the vision. I know I can tell you exactly what I want it to look like, but I'm not the one that's going to write that down because again, I get caught up in the way that that maybe I am a freaking empath because I'm thinking about <laughs> this individual, this new crew member, what's their learning style? What's, you know, how do they operate? Like I'm very interested in the human nature. Exactly. And mm -hmm. it's like, so, um, because I think of myself in that position and I'm not going to thrive in a position where it's like, here's the list. You do this, this way. Like, I'm going to be like, like, I'm a big, like, why person. Like, I question every single thing that's told to me. So I'm probably hella annoying. I know my girlfriend thinks I am. <laughs> um, but it's like, I would be that employee where it's like, you know, why do we grind the coffee to 19.5 grams? Or why, you know, why, why, why? And therefore, I don't like to operate off of those procedure things. And therefore, I don't spend so much time on that. But it is ultimately what's going to solve my problem. So trying to get somebody in to, to do a lot of that again for me.
going to be great. Before we move into Spacebar, I want to go back to something that you said at the very beginning of our conversation in explaining how Fitbar came to be out of any time. And it's about the idea of the separation that I think still very much exists from my own coaching experience and my own personal journey going from being in the group fitness environment as a group fitness instructor to then really pursuing a passion for nutrition and going all in and focusing on nutrition coaching. I don't believe that, especially in that type of environment in particular, which is obviously different from, than the gym concept of something like an anytime, right? I'm talking more of your boutique fitness concept, smaller classes, et cetera. Um, there's not a lot of the marriage of the two between fitness and nutrition. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to better merge them together, but it also takes the knowledge that can often be deep, which you touched on is like, you're one of those people who knows a lot of different things about a lot of different things versus going all in on one. So you mentioned the idea that like, okay, instead of explicitly trying to teach these people about nutrition because they're not ready for it. They're going to the gym. Like they want to take care of the fitness piece. Let's make it a little bit easier by bringing them the food. I imagine part of the thought process there was like, what are some of people's nutrition pain points? A lot of it is thinking that foods are healthy, that until they really start to dig into what they're eating, where it's coming from, how that fits into their other food choices, their drink choices, um, they don't have the full appreciation for why what they're doing isn't working. Then they run back to what they are comfortable with or what they've convinced themselves will get them results, AKA the gym, right? Um, I know I'm kind of like talking in broad strokes here, but I really would love to understand how you saw Fitbar as kind of like the next step. And then when, if at all, did a little bit more of the behavior change start to happen where you really could bring in the nutrition coaching piece? Um, yeah. So there's like, a lot there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so for us, it was, and, and, and a lot of, you know, what we try to put outward are the things that we're struggling with personally, mm -hmm. right? So um, for me, you know, even though I, I haven't struggled with my weight for damn near 20 years now, I still have a lot of the disordered eating patterns kind of that go through my head, right? So it's like, for me, it's always been a real challenge to um, understand nutrition from the standpoint of like, fueling performance and like you know it, when I would go to the gym I would almost like my eating habits like I just would not eat to sustain the the extra exercise effort, yeah mm -hmm. you know so it's like trying to put these two right together and where people thought about them you know at the same like very in in the same sentence you know mm -hmm. what I mean you go to the gym the same thing is going to be you know what are you recovering with or you know trying to bridge that that gap to not separate the two um, so it was an easy transition, literally, by just saying, you know, for our coaches and trainers now to be like, okay, go grab a post-workout smoothie over at, at the fit bar. Um, so that that direction was very easy once we gave them an actual right. choice and we eliminated, like, any real effort from their standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, the fit bar side of it, you know, like I was saying, like, we wanted the neighborhood, the community to see this as, like, a standalone business um, that was doing smoothies in a way that Seattle really didn't have which again, was just like whole food, pretty simple smoothies. Um, we decided to do plant-based proteins um, just from more of a, 
to balance things out with, uh, I'm not vegan or plant-based by, by any means, but you know, I do get a lot of animal protein. So for me, it makes a little sense to kind of, okay, let's get some plant-based proteins in and Absolutely. Just balance it out a little bit. Um, but we had a whole new segment of people that came to us that never even stepped foot into the gym, but still had the same goals of, of wanting to look better, feel better, um, and, and move and move a little better too, but they just weren't gym people. So they never went to the gym. Sure. Um, so we had this whole new group of people that came to, came into the fit bar to start this conversation of better health. So for us, then the challenge was to, all right, how do we get these people to do a little bit re- resistance training and movement? So that would be through like different boot camps that we would offer through the, through the fit bar beach workouts, um, you know, really trying to, sh- then nudge people into that, that lane, you know? So like, no matter what it is, our goal is to bridge the gap and merge all of these things together. We're just hitting it from a different conversation, depending on where people are coming to us from, you know? Um, But now where the state of things are now, things over literally over 10 years, it is a lot more common now, at least in our gyms to have that conversation. So now our coaches and our trainers um, it's the expectation. We set that from the beginning when, when our, we first bring in a new client that we're going to have our hand in, in shifting their, their eating habits. And it's part of the fiber of like who we are at our anytime fitness gyms. Um, so it's becoming a lot more expected, I guess, from the client, at least the, the demographic that we're bringing into our gyms to to understand that like it needs to happen on on both fronts um if that makes sense at all it does and it leads me to another question because i actually had a really interesting conversation with our mutual friend chase tuning about this uh where does the onus lie in terms of if you're somebody who is doing one of the two things let's call it like you got the nutrition thing going but maybe you're not seeing results because the fitness is missing or vice versa which is what i work with a lot it's like this person is like i'm in the gym six days a week i've been doing the same kind of workout class whatever it is for a long time and i don't feel like i'm seeing the results and something that i've identified as a challenge from the boutique space is that often the coach doesn't have the knowledge or expertise to really guide someone in the appropriate nutrition direction so when you're working with hiring different people who are in your gyms. And then even, you know, same thing with Fitbar, like what kind of qualification or types of conversations are you looking to have someone to make sure that you're, that they are a right fit for your culture of both of those businesses? Yeah. So kind of understanding that it's very hard to find that person that kind of has it all. So the easy answer for (laughs) us on the, on the gym front is like, we get trainers who first, have this understanding that it's necessary and if they lack the information at that point like we'll put them through persistent nutrition mm-hmm. um or some you know we'll help them through a certification okay um anytime fitness as a brand now they're just actually um purchase stronger you so i actually that. got my start and i'm like so glad that we're talking today because i got my start in the nutrition world by being a client of stronger you and I love Mike. I love what he stands for. He jokes that he made the, he created Stronger You by accident off of a Facebook post. And when he shared yesterday that self-esteem purchased Stronger You, I just thought to myself, this is such a great sign that this style of nutrition coaching will be able to get to the masses. Like, I think that's such amazing news. 
Yeah, no, it's, it is amazing. So we'll see how that kind of shapes up within mm -hmm. the anytime fitness model yeah. um, and kind of how that is structured. Um, but, you know, obviously the brand SCB, um, self-esteem brands who, mm -hmm. you know, created anytime fitness, um, believe in this, right. And like, it's been the code that we've all been independently trying to crack at our, you know, independent locations for a long time. And Absolutely. the real change happens when it becomes very wide sweeping. You know, if we can get every anytime fitness on board with running, whatever the protocols are going to be to like onboard a client into the nutrition front and, and how to hold them accountable. Cause that's the biggest challenge with any kind of nutrition coaching and, and, and honestly online fitness training too, you know, the gym to a certain extent, but like you can hold people accountable when you're training one-on-one, -on -one, right? Like of you're course. seeing these people. Yes. We try to, you know, have a little more influence on those days that they're not with us, but nutrition side of things, that's all day. They're, they're away from you. They're away from you all the time. You're not <laughs> yeah. sitting down with them for two meals a week or three meals a week. You know what I mean? Like you are, if you're training in person. So it really becomes about accountability. Um, which is a challenge in and of itself. And which is why like, you can't have really any of these conversations without mindset and trying to actually shift that accountability onto the person that is ultimately responsible for changing their, their situation, right? Um, Can you say so that part one more time? Because I think that's so important, important to emphasize to the listener. In a yeah, matter that, of, we can't want it more than you. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, accountability, whether it's fitness or nutrition is the end all be all, you know, and as a coach, yes, our job is to create some accountability within that. But at the end of the day, you're solely responsible for your results, um, you know, and starting with mindset, like if you don't have the right mindset coming into it, and that's why so many coaches start with the why, you know, why are you coming to me to work on your nutrition or your fitness? Um, it's, it's to get you to understand that you're worth, that you're worth this and that ultimately you possess all the tools that you need um, at the end of the day. And we're just here to support you in that. Um, and that's been kind of the hardest thing for me personally to take on any clients because, you know, I've always really desired to do that because I feel so removed from, you know, any kind of transformations that are happening out there or whatever that I kind of have always really wanted to, you know, I've worked with a few here and there, but only, be, you know, with what time I had available, but like, I really want to do more of that. And if I could figure out how to shift and get that person mentally ready um, and just be right there with them. Like, I would love to do that, but that's, I, again, I, I absorbed so much of the win or the, the wins or the losses that if you're not ready to hold yourself accountable, I, I just can't take that anymore. You know what I mean? Like I've seen too much of that and it's like, I wear that, you know what I mean? Like it, oh, yeah. I can't separate myself from that. Um, so mindset is always the first thing that I talk about with with everything that we do because I'm trying to try to make it make a yeah try not to feel so so closely attached to to your goals even though like it, I can't remove myself from it you know oh yeah I think so many coaches struggle with that too because you you get into this industry with the desire to help people but there there is a degree to that that stops at the fact that you can't want it more than that other person and sometimes just 
letting go as the coach and saying, okay, like this person just isn't ready. And I think the hard part about it is it's just, it, you know that there's something in there that if you could just help them work through it and unlock it, how that will have an impact on their life that is so much greater than the 30 minutes you're spending in that nutrition coaching session or even with a workout for a class, a personal training session, whatever it is, it's going to trickle into everything else and to just making them a better version of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're spot on. So, I mean, again, like I, I really do try to reflect with, you know, how I show up in all these spaces and, you know, what that is. And, you know, like for me, that's so tied up in this like need and desire to want to be liked. Right. So it's like, I go over and beyond for all of these, you know, these people that I potentially work with, or even just uh, customers that come through the fit bar um, and try to do too much for them, you know, even for the employees, you know, like I try to do too much for them, um, which isn't what people need all the time right so like that's my shit that i bring to the table that is all it's very hard for me to remove from it but that's why i'm trying to create a little more space so that i can you know because my default is to jump right in there and absorb that for people what led you to that realization of of trying to do too much for people in in an effort to want to feel liked and and you know because that's that's something that i think a lot of people can't always like take the step back and look at themselves to understand why they do the things that they do. Um, I would say, I mean, just it being happening over and over and over again and kind of um, understand, you know, like just it's because it's a, it's a daily thing. It's every single day, you know, like it shows up in different ways, but it's every single day um, that it ends up happening for or to me or for me, I guess, whatever. You want. Um, so, um, like in in the it's it ends up being because I mean that's definitely what I narrowed it down to of like this desire to want to be like so in the case of like working with the client it's removing almost every single excuse from me being responsible so you know whether that's like numerous outreaches or investing in an app so that I can kind of remotely be there for you, be, t you know, you can text me or whatever it is. It's at the end of the day, like knowing that so many people aren't ready for this change, but you come to me or any other coach saying that you're ready for this change. Again, I'm just kind of jaded from past experiences and people not seeing things through that the percentage of failure is typically greater than the than the success rate right so it's like yeah. when that time comes i'm trying to prepare myself in this relationship to be like hey i did every single thing that i could um and that you now knowing that it wasn't my fault and therefore if you could come to the conclusion that it wasn't my fault as your coach that failed you therefore you're not going to blame me for your failures you know what I mean? Like that's how that shows up in that relationship, which ultimately if I wasn't so concerned with that, I wouldn't be so connected to that, I guess. That makes sense at all. No, it does. And it's also a tricky one because there's a lot of positives in, in being that way too, right? Because it's, it's, 
yields a lot of conscientiousness and just care and it can make you a better employer in so many ways. So it's like that constant struggle of like, well, how do I draw this separation so that it can also be healthy for myself, but giving those other people what they need and to for them to feel empowered and but also supported at the same time. Because I know from personal experience, there are times in roles that I had where I was so empowered, but it was to the point where I felt like I would have to go ahead and just make the call on something and then deal with the consequences of it later. And it that is a little bit of a catch-22, whereas it would have been great to have that initial conversation with, with my boss to be like, hey, like let's brainstorm on this together to make sure that we both, that the vision that you have as a leader aligns with where you wanna go and me feel like I can just kind of make those decisions in my own hands without having to like beg for forgiveness after the fact. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. It's um, it's tricky, you know? So sometimes I didn't, I, you know, I wish I wasn't so inside my head and everything. Um, but like you said, you know, it's like a defined balance of like respecting these things that are inherently like unique about you and like, you know, recognizing them as kind of like your superhero strengths, you know what I mean? And it's like, yes. uh, what, you know, where do you balance with working on your weaknesses and, and kind of doubling down on your strengths in order to, you know, um, create that, future version of yourself that you that you really want to become you know so yeah I, I do try to find um some gratitude in in these little things about myself that do kind of cause me some some issues but I am very thankful and grateful for for it, like you said because a lot of good does come from it as well and I think what we're talking about can be very well summed up in terms of self-development and that can take on a lot of different forms, whether it's meditation, journaling, um, you know, exercising for the sake of just like clearing your head. Um, so what does that look like for you in your life? Uh, yeah, um, for me, it's morning, um, a little mo morning stillness. You know, I don't have a like a full on routine. Um, it's definitely I wake up really early. So I have kind of forced quiet time because there aren't really things open and available, you know? So like I spent some time in that. Um, and then learning kind of a breath practice has been a game changer for me um, to just kind of carry that throughout the day. You know, again, it's not really one that where I sit and I do 10, 15 minutes of breath work. It's more of like this conscious awareness to always come back to the breath and slow things down throughout the, throughout the day. So that's my way of mindfully kind of meditating. You know, there's a little there's a lot of little things that I catch myself doing throughout the day that is my version of mindfully being present. Um, and it's funny how it shows up, you know, like um, I've been really pushing to get some new employees over here at our Pasadena location. And part of that process with bringing on new employees is, is training them. Right. And it's like yeah. trying to like when I, I'm in their training, like I catch myself doing these things that are probably not the normal you know, and, but it, I do it because it's something that I've done for years to make sure that I'm present, you know? So it's like, do make, when I'm making a coffee, for example, cause I, you know, I'd still wear all the hats. Like I'm in there whipping up coffees, making smoothies or whatever it is. I noticed that I'm not just blindly sticking the portafilter in, into the grinder. Like I'm consciously watching, you know, like I'm, I'm focusing yeah, on yeah. these little details because that's how I am present in the moment you know so it's like these are all whether it's meditation like that's the goal right the goal is to be present and fo focus on a specific thing like the breath or a touch so that when your mind wanders you bring it back you are training that ability to do so so 
those are those moments when I do that. Um, uh, an example is again, the coffee or the breath. The breath is the one that I always have with me. I don't carry an espresso machine <laughs> next to me all the time. <laughs> so the breath has been my game changer and my saving grace um, over for sure the past two years to the point where it's all that I've had to fall back on, like during COVID and expansion and open up these different locations, like, you know, hitting the gym, you know, wasn't happening. Um, eating well uh, wasn't really happening, you know, to a certain extent, you know, I got some, some, some tactics that have really became a go-to, but it was the breathing that allowed me to not only build a stronger aerobic foundation during this. So I was actually working on my fitness through the breath um, tapping into the breath to be mindfully present uh, when I was getting very stressed out, which was inevitable over the, this past year, trying to keep things together. It was, again, the breath that allowed me to downregulate and get into a parasympathetic state or as close to one as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, yeah, it's, it's it really is all about the breathing um, and not really in the way that you see it. You know, you hear breath work and you think, holotropic breathing with people doing heavy breathing, you know, hand clams, you know, having these, um, you know, very esoteric experiences, or you see Wim Hof doing some crazy shit, you know, like whatever, right. You know, like (laughs) that's not my approach to it. And that's not how I um, integrate it within my life. Um, But man, it's, it's very impactful if you can tap into a breathing practice. And I think you just made a great point in both the breathwork example, even in your joke about how your breath is always with you and the espresso bar is not, that it can be accessible and doesn't have to look the same as whatever, you know, inspiration you're getting it from. Like even with meditation, so many people think that it has to be them like sitting on the ground, like within like, you know, their legs crossed, like the room is quiet, their eyes are closed. That might be too intimidating for you in the first place or in your case, when you literally just have so much going on to then go back to the point about being present in the moment with making a coffee, like it becomes truly a part of your day to day that way. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and and even, you know, the precursor to being present and making that coffee starts with the breath, you know, Mm -hmm. like if I'm, you know, breathing in my chest and, you know, I'm having a stress, you know, I had maybe a stressful interaction with somebody and I take that to then got to go make a coffee and I'm, you know, up here and I'm, you know, still carrying that stress. I'm not going to be present in making that coffee. Huh. So before I can actually appreciate that smell of the coffee grind or whatever it might be, you have to slow that breath down and be in a position to, you know, um, be aware of those things. So game changer, like definitely even, you know, help me with this gnarly back pain that I've been having for years. Um, like it's, it literally is crazy, right? Like it, it really is the go-to. And, and I think if we could bring more awareness to it um, and really get people to think about, you know, the end, like again, how all these systems work together and mm-hmm. what the end game is, like the recipe or the program would look completely different than what is currently available to them, you know? And I think that's ultimately my goal is to bridge that, bridge that gap and, and give people an alternative to, um, you know, a program, a lifestyle design that, you know, checks all the boxes, you know, in a way that is sustainable and enjoyable, you know? 
I'm 100% with you there. And I think that's also the perfect segue into Space Bar because we're starting to talk a little bit more about recovery components. So share a little bit more about that and how it came to be and where you're at with it today. Yeah, so Space Bar, as you can see on the shirt, um, is um, I'm big on uh, so bar. Bar is this creating space to breathe, adapt, and recover. So that's ultimately what it represents. And it's kind of that same thought process with the breath. You know, like if we're not creating space, you know, we're going to be just reactive to the external stressors that are coming our way. We're not going to be able to breathe, make a decision and respond, you know? Um, so we're at the mercy of what is happening to us versus actually being actively um, engaged and, and taking control over kind of ultimately what our next step is. So creating space and it's kind of like hitting, hitting the space bar, a little bit of a gap, you know? Love that. Um, and then, um, yeah, so it's kind of a crazy story. If you got a second, on how it all came it. to be so so for me and you know obviously i'm very uh, reflective on like what i'm doing with my life how i'm showing up um, while trying to work on my um little things that i don't necessarily i wouldn't say like about myself but the things that get me into trouble or or create things hard you know make things <laughs> that's harder a good way me, of saying it right yeah. so this so back in 2016, we purchased this property down in Sunset Beach, California. We built out a fit bar there. There's going to be a dope spot. Like we were all in on this investment, like right by the beach. And, you know, we doubled down, put everything again that we had in there, okay. like a two-year process that we did this construction. And we're, you know, since we bought the pro you know, the property, we were paying this mortgage this entire time mm -hmm. as we jumped through all these loops, finally got the business open in like 2018. Um, so I remember telling myself like, dude, like that was horrible process you know like it was really bad like quit trying to do more like double down go deeper on this community um and just enjoy what you created and really hit this one out of the park right so told myself that um lasted about six months right and i was like then i started getting this urge just like to go and do something else and at that time a friend of mine hit me up and was like hey man like we're you know we're, we're thinking about opening up this gym in pasadena um, you know, the problem is that where it's located, it's off of the street and there's a street retail. Like we really want you to come and, you know, open up a fit bar right there, yeah. you know, be our street retail. No, I know through. how that is with being, helping, having helped people open studios, like that piece of the location and the visibility is so important. Yeah. So, so, you know, he's a good friend of mine and he was like, you know, come in, you know, we'll partner up on this. We'll open the, you know, you open the fit bar, people can walk through you, come back to the gym. Got it. Okay. Um, so I was like, okay. So I go and I look at the space and it's a very unique space, sold like landmark theater that's getting divided up into different oh, units. Oh, cool. Wow. So it, it really, it really was cool and it is cool, but I went and like the space that we would have needed for the, the fit bar was way bigger than what I really wanted to take on. So, you know, we started talking to the landlord about like, Hey, like, we only really need this. He's like, no, you need to take the whole space. So then this big middle chunk of space is another like 1500, 2000 square feet. I was like, man, how the hell am I going to monetize that? that? You know, yeah. like, there's no way we're going to do enough volume from the fit bar to be able to, you know, cover those rents, which was going to be like 12 K a month. You know, yeah. I was like, there's, there's no way. So proud of myself in that moment. I was like, man, like, nah, we're going to have to pass on this, you know? So I said, no. Right. And then a couple months later, um, I'm looking to relocate up to LA because, you know, my girlfriend's a singer songwriter. We wanted to get closer to the music industry and whatnot. So yeah. move up there. Coincidence from this point on. Right. So like we go and we tour this, this apartment and, uh, it's an echo park neighborhood of LA and, um, 
you know, really love the space. We're getting ready to move up there. So the next day that I toured these apartments, my buddy calls me again and he's like, Hey man, I really want you to open up in Pasadena because afterwards the owner of that property, he owns this location in Burbank owns this other property. He's going to, he wants us to open up fit bars and anytime fitnesses all over LA, but okay. we need to start at this Pasadena location. He's like, then once we do Pasadena, we'll open Burbank and then we'll open up in Echo Park. And I was like, dude, I like, I'm moving to Echo Park. I was just there yesterday. I was like, where, where's this location that he's talking about? He's like, I'll, I'll send you a pin. So he drops the pin and it was literally where me and my girlfriend went to go get breakfast as we waited to go and tour the apartment. Look at the apartment. No way. So I told him, I was like, dude, I was like, man, I was just there. There was, there's no gym there because the the landlord was going to buy this gym okay right and they converted over mm -hmm. so i was like dude there's no gym there so he says it, it was across the street so another part of that story is that when i was getting done with breakfast with my girlfriend and walking back to go check out the apartment i did a little walk around the neighborhood and i peered through the window of this gym that was, that was across the street and I tell my girlfriend, I was like, man, like we really need to figure out how to do small versions of fit bars so that I, you know, we can just pop up a fit bar like in a gym like this if we're gonna move to this neighborhood. Literally was the building yeah. that this guy was going to buy, right? So I was like, dude, that's insane. You're like, what are the chances of that happening? I don't know. Like, there's no way that that happened. So I was like, I gotta see this through, you know? So now I have to say yes to Pasadena so that we can actually make this whole thing come to life mm -hmm. because it was just so crazy that that was that even happened so that was a long-winded way to get back to this same space that i was having to deal with and figure out how to monetize um and that's where the space bar really came from an idea into an actual business model that we thought was going to work um Very and i cool. was so close to these practices of the breath because i had been dealing with back pain for a very long time you know several years at, at that point and where i couldn't really work out very, re very regularly so like this identity of being this strong fitness guy was starting to fade mm -hmm. and i needed to bridge that gap and again that's where i started um, discovering breath work and working on my aerobic capacity um and my my conditioning through breath um that I really went down deep on that. Um, so doing that with, with contrast therapy, you know, ice baths and saunas is, is when we really put together the whole model of the space bar to fill into this space here in Pasadena. Um, and honestly, out of all the things that we got going on, I'm probably most excited about the space bar um, because I've seen how impactful it can be when somebody learns how to control their breath and ultimately by controlling your breath you control you know your nervous system to a certain extent you control how to down regulate through anxiety being it just social anxiety or depression all of these things when you can tap into the breath like you are gaining power over these external stressors that has have controlled you that you didn't know how to deal with um and it's just really is kind of the foundation of of everything for for as in regards to fitness and nutrition um to starting with the breath and the mindset and everything that we can do here at the space bar and i'm really with you on that too because you know as somebody who's been very open about their mental health and having struggled with depression and anxiety for a really long time depression only over the course of the last like year and a half and 
for a while I couldn't name what those feelings were, but something that I had always kind of leaned on was like, I saw my fitness and workout routine as my way of just like de-stressing and dealing with shit. But when you actually break down the science of like the way I was working out, in terms of what it was doing for my nervous system, it was the exact opposite. And I think there is a lot of opportunity for more education around that. Yeah, I mean, and it really, it starts with, again, like understanding what it is that you're after, like what is your goal, <laughs> you know? And the thing about it is no matter what your goal is, this is going to help you, whether yes. it's fat loss or building muscle or just um, trying to deal with uh, the stress of work and life and all of that these practices are for sure going to help you because we, I mean, I, I hope that it's common knowledge now that results happen in the recovery. You know, that's where all of it happens. And if you're not putting your body in a, in a position, in a rest and digest parasympathetic state, it's not going to release anything. It's not going to lose any body fat it's sure as hell not going to be in a position to build much muscle nope. um, and it just really starts there but again when when all we're being told is that you know we live in a we live in a culture where more 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 yep more um, equals better i say that right? a lot it, that you know, true. and that that's just you know been force fed you know mm -hmm. to us for so long and until we have more people walking around and being living proof that are getting the results and getting it done right. without killing themselves in a very well-balanced way. Um, you know, it's, it's always going to be the case that all we are going to be able to do is more and more, more. So like we have to, as leaders and coaches really um, live that life. If, if we believe in it, we, we need to promote it and not just sell and promote the thing that puts money in our pocket. You know what I mean? Like that's been kind oh, of yeah. a struggle, you know, like, and that's how, the fitness industry has ultimately, and the nutrition industry too, has, has become this very dogmatic um, environment um, because these people, these coaches don't have the tools or the, the, the systems to provide you the real information. So then right. they have to create this crazy niche thing about keto and drive that home and put marketing dollars in where now all you're seeing is keto, 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 that 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 just confuses people you know so what I mean? much and yeah. um um and that's that's why and that's why i never wanted to be that guy i never wanted to have to rely on one thing because i i know for myself that it's not one thing we know that adherence is everything so it doesn't matter like if you're gonna adhere to any diet it's gonna work to a certain extent right so yep. it's like yep. if i know that how the hell am i ever mm -hmm. going to tell you that you need to do this other thing you know even if it's you know to the to the extent of of fitness like i'm not going to tell you that you need to train x amount of days um because you don't necessarily need to with it what do you want what you know like mm -hmm. so um yeah i want to be able to have an answer for everybody and not just give them some bullshit just because it's what I, is available to me to sell you and I think it's also created this pressure to have the answer versus being comfortable with just saying it depends. And I think really great coaches are okay with saying that versus having this probably a little bit of ego too, coupled in with like the sales aspect of it, right? To say like, 
this is why this is the problem and this is the exact solution that we're going to follow. I mean, so much of it outside of even your points of adherence, like I 100% am with you there and have really been trying to figure out a way to package like describing the type of coaching that I do because it's not even about nutrition at at the end of the day if we like really dig into it. And so much of the stuff that comes with that isn't like the sexy things that sell. Like if we're going to talk about building habits. I mean, yeah. it's not a, a really attractive thing to try to market, but that's all what we're doing if we're helping people in the right way and giving yeah. them access to lots of different options and also encouraging people to realize that you don't have to do all of these things at once. And I'm curious, you know, from your perspective of having your hand in all of these different aspects, how has that kind of come through in your own life and how as people and customers that you've had and interacted with, like what has that looked like for them? And then being able to just, you know, start with one thing and use it as the gateway. You had kind of touched on that a little earlier when you were talking about like, we had people come in a fit bar who never set foot in a gym, but they demonstrated a, a desire to care about their wellness through their food choices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and since we don't really do that marketing, um, it, it comes from just like leading by example, you know, and making sure that we're living that lifestyle and that ultimately we're putting out that content that's kind of touching all those points via, you know, emails and newsletters or just, you know, social media, you know, or even this little yeah. tag tagline. So, you know, the taglines associated with the fit bar is going to be like mindset, nutrition, and movement, you know, kind of like the new M&Ms and where like these things are very crucial. So it's like the more we talk about it and the more that we lead with that, um, and, and we, we are that example of like, okay, damn, Jacob is not going to the gym five days a week and he's still relatively lean. Um, and he's able to, you know, operate these eight different businesses and, you know, still be at home to pet his dogs and go for a walk, you know, okay, what, what's going on there? You know, how can I do that? And it's because there's a balanced approach to eating that's integrated within that throughout the week and the mindful breathing throughout the day. And that, like you said, you know, it's very hard to just, you know, and, you know, uh, try to adopt all of these things at once, but it's probably harder to adopt just fitness, like and, and to the extent where it's like, if you're only having that's a fitness conversation, fit. it becomes mm -hmm. like five days. And what that's to me is like, fuck, that seems like a challenge. <laughs> what if, but what if you only had to go, you know, do a little resistance training or even a body weight workout twice a week and then. The other thing that you relied more upon for the seven days of consistency are maybe just a breathing practice that allows you to become more mindful, um, which ultimately is going to work on that mindset. And, yeah. you know, that is something like there's no real excuse for besides learning how to do it and then really practicing it. Because, again, you don't need to go to the gym. You don't need to sweat. You, whatever excuses you have for not adopting that particular habit or, or modality you don't really have with breathing. So starting there. Um, and then, um, and then again, the same thing with the nutrition thing is like trying to really establish these very simple habits that aren't um, like a crazy, you know, overhauling and, you know, prepping five meals every single day. It's like starting from the jump with a, with a program that encompasses all of these things. When you look at it at, on paper is going to be a lot less, 
worrisome in, in, in my opinion, you know, cause it's a little bit of everything, but again, that's what's needed in order to live a balanced life. Because at the end of the day, when you're off of any type of program, you're you still need to find some balance, right? You know yeah. what I'm saying? So like the, if that's what you're ultimately trying to achieve is this balance and this, this sustainable lifestyle, that's what the program needs to be because that's ultimately what you're working towards, right? You know? Yeah. And I think the way it has been for so long, by because of the design and the approach and the philosophies that, that coaches are trying to share, people are, I, I always have to put like the sustainable lifestyle in air quotes because people are taking this approach that's not allowing us to make it achievable when it, that doesn't have to be the case. No, definitely. Um, yeah. So you, how, how things with like, um, cause you do take this health, healthy habit approach too. you yes. know, have you been, how's that been for you? Are you seeing people a lot more willing to kind of take the slower approach? I will say that you hit it right there and saying, are people willing to take the slow approach? That's the biggest obstacle. It's this instant gratification piece battling up against how do I do this the healthy way? And then you also see, you know, so-and-so over here losing 15 pounds in a month. This person like doing whatever, I'm not like trying to, you know, shit on any diet in particular, like just doing something that's yielding this really quick change. What I constantly have to go back to with clients is, is that thing going to be lasting change? And so many times the answer is no. I'll tell them like, go check back in with that friend in two months and let me know if they're happy in the sense that they've truly changed something about their lifestyle that they feel they can stick to, or was that just a bit of a band-aid that got them to a mini goal? And then once they hit it, they were kind of like, I don't know what to do next. So what I will say is it's something that I've started to lean into more so now as I've gotten experience with more clients who have different personalities and different challenges in their level of being able to stick with something consistently. And honestly, Jacob, I think the thing that I keep coming back to is that we often try to make that we have this ideal in our head of who we want to be, what we want that to look like. And then we also have all these rules associated with how we are going to get there. And we think that unless we follow all of those rules at the same exact time, it's just not going to happen. So it's the struggle of that fixed mindset piece. And I think that comes from sticking to what you know, sticking to things that worked for you in the past for some period of time. So a lot of what I'm doing with people is just sometimes kind of letting them talk and then challenging them to say like, okay, well, you did that for that long. And if it worked, would we be here right now having this conversation? Probably not. And a little bit more tough love definitely coming into my coaching versus maybe in the beginning I was a little bit softer about giving, allowing somebody like to give themselves like the benefit of the doubt. There's a fine line with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and it's been something that's, um, that's hard, you know, because just like, you know, they're being bombarded with those quick fixes and those transformations. Like yep. we know what marketing works and it becomes this cycle and where mm -hmm. it's like the same idea that we just have to be um, dedicated to that longer form educational process because, you know, we, we can't play that marketing game, right. you know? Um, and it's, it's made me definitely 
have to practice more patience in terms of like my professional business growth in the sense of I would rather work with people who align with the mindset that this might take a little longer and have fewer of those people, but probably work with them for a longer amount of time, right? Mm -hmm. and, and really nurture that smaller community versus trying to get a million people all at the same time. Yeah, you know, it really does become about consistency. And that's been mm -hmm. something that's been been a struggle, you know, because, you know, I do get pulled in multiple directions. So it's like, this is part of where, I, you know, I want to create this space and be able to post up on the computer and just focus on the messaging and every single day, you know, dial that in and they'll, you know, send out those newsletters and, send, yeah. you know, be way more consistent with that messaging on social media because, you know, we can only play that long-term game if we're playing that game, you know, like it's this, this idea that that's our approach, but then I struggle sometimes to get that content out there on a very regular basis, um, which is, which is frustrating, you know, it and is. you find yourself in, um, in these moments, you know, like I, you know, there were definitely times when I was torn, you know, during this past year with, you know, this new fit bar that was open, you know, in space bar again, like, so we did that past, you know, location with, these huge expenses with a, not a cheap build out. And we had, you know, th uh, four weeks of being open before the shutdowns. So wow. like these new businesses are up here, you know, a lot of expenses every single month. And we had no um, community around us since, you know, this is a new business in it was a new, new right? city, right? Sure. So it's like, you know, and you still stay, try right to stay there. true to, you know, this longer form um, you know, approach to marketing, but like every single day you have this scarcity of like, dude, like we're getting our ass handed to us. Do we play that game? You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm over here talking to the landlord about like, man, the situation, you know, and, um, you know, he, he's looking at these other juice bars in uh, LA or whatever. And he's like, you know, you just need to really just hire nothing, but like really attractive young people and get them on the sidewalk and like little clothes. I'm like, dude, I'm like, that's not at all what we represent. It doesn't align and, with you. Right. And it's like, so it's like these moments where it's like, like trying to figure out how to solve this problem, you know, needing, needing a quick fix ourselves, you know, uh, to try to stay alive while not losing ourselves in that. So yeah, it's a constant battle, you know, for us. So I, I see, I know how clients, you know, consume that that content that messaging about quick fixes and how that messes with their head you know because i i felt myself tested you know over this past year on like what can i do what where's the gray area that i can get away with to get some quick money in the doors without losing myself you know where are you so at with that right now because i know you we had a brief discussion about this that that's been the biggest struggle that you've been facing but we're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, but I, that doesn't mean you're gonna be out of the woods overnight. So where are you in that process and working through it? Uh, yeah, so we're trying to get back to some of our original programming. So one of the main differentiators with the space bar versus say your traditional sauna studio or whatever it was, was the coaching aspect and the accountability behind this. So we're taking a personal training approach to recovery, you know, so we would That's have- really trainer cool trainers on staff, you know, that, that understood the breathing mechanics. So although you're coming to this, this space bar in order to kind of like de-stress and, and build up a little stress resiliency through the breath, like it is important for us to have you working out. So 
when you come in for your initial assessment, like we would do kind of a hands-on breath assessment and then we'd kind of dive into your goals and we would, you know, write workouts to go alongside your recovery. You know what I mean? So like it would be catered towards, you know, recovery being your focus, but at the end of the day, like we need you training. Like, what are you recovering from? Like we want our clientele to be getting after it in life, you know, yeah. not coming to us like some other spa or sauna studio, you know, you got smashed last night and now you want to detox yeah. with air quotes. Mm -hmm. Like that's not who we are. You know, we're, we're actively involved and engaged with the lifestyle and, and, and therefore so are we with the recovery. So that was kind of our approach. So with that being said, like we had to remove, you know, step back from that, you know, had to obviously furlough essentially every employee, you know, except for, you know, you know, I'm, I'm still here and, you know, Alana, so we had a couple here, right? So now it's, it's get back to bringing on the crew so we can get back to that hands-on approach and, and sitting down with clients and, and helping bring them through um, like a proper assessment. Uh, and then, and then our, one of our main offerings was kind of this small group training, um, which again was recovery oriented. So we'd get a small group together, you know, four or five people with a coach and we'd go through performance breathing. So we would um, try to find like your baseline CO2 level. Okay. And then we would do these different breathing um, protocols in order to kind of increase your CO2 tolerance, which is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But um, it helps um, with a lot of different things. So we would do that as a group. And then we'd go down to our group room, which um, has our cold uh, ice plunge, as well as our sauna. And then we would put the people, the, the members through a circuit. So we would have them in the sauna as a group. One would come out, they would sit with the coach in the ice and we would help breathe, um, help like take them through a, a down regulation breathing protocol. And then they'd, they'd get back in the sauna and then we'd go through a circuit. Um, so obviously we weren't able to do any of that <laughs> during uh, yeah. the shutdown. So trying to get back to those core offers um, and becoming what we had always intended for ourselves to be this active place for um, accountability because if we think getting somebody to go to the gym three times a week is tough <laughs> right getting them to dedicate <laughs> two days of recovery or even one day of recovery is the challenge here that's yeah. for damn sure but know? i do think the education piece right and and to your point that you made earlier and and something that i echo 100 percent is just the more we start talking about the importance of this stuff i think eventually the easier that will become but you know what you just described it's like you see bits and pieces of those types of protocols that people take the initiative to implement on their own but the idea of doing a circuit i'm sitting here like so intrigued like sign me up for that yeah. i gotta come out to california I mean, and, and i do really think that this is also why I'm excited about the space bar because, you know, if I'm never, I'm not that guy to be organized and, and have the, uh, the end in mind a lot of the times <laughs> when I do these things, but with the space bar, I do see it as an, as an opportunity to expand out and, and, and recreate this model um, because it's perfect timing for the industry. Um, it's taking what we know from our 10 years of experience in the gym business and, and the fitness space um, that, that this is the time for it, you know, and, and, and I, you know, I was you know, reaffirmed in that and where it's like, yeah, I'm head down over here, building this place out for a year, not seeing any other concepts that are the same. Um, yes, there's some people doing ice baths and saunas like outside and, you know, doing that thing, but nobody doubling down on a brick and mortar space right. to create a boutique experience similar to your small group training models. So I was like, okay, cool. Like 
about to be the first to do this. And then I, you know, we get done with construction. I look up and there's a couple other versions of this out there. Um, but none of it had the coaching aspect behind it. You know, that wasn't, um, what they were built upon. So being able to replicate this again, taking what we know from the fitness space and how community is so important to, um, the environment at a boutique training gym, for example, bringing that in here and having a small group offering for people to connect, you know, so like we would, you know, even prompt conversations for that sauna, you know, so it's like, all right, what are we talking about in here? Like, we're not talking about, you know, the Kardashians, you know what I mean? Yep. We're talking about, um, who am I type of shit, you know, yeah, like this is the question right for the day, yeah. you know, and like imagining, um, cause I don't know, have you ever done a nice bath before? Yes. It's very cold. Yeah, no, it's a, <laughs> it's, it, you it, got to be committed, right? Yeah, for sure. And it, it, it's a very empowering, um, situation when you're, when you're given the tools to make yeah. it empowering, it can be a very frustrating and kind of, uh, um, bone crushing as, as well. If you don't have the tools, right. Because you're like, you know, wow, you know, you were just, like, you were just put in this situation of fight or flight, see what you're made of and you yeah. failed, you know what I mean? Or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Um, but when That's you do really this point. experience with a group, like you literally having a near death shared experience, you know, like, so it's like the connection coming out of it is, is, is like next level. Right. And it's like, um, I was just like, I know that will be this common thread amongst people if we can get it back to where it was and people experiencing it together. And then talking about kind of their situation and what's going on in the sauna and allowing them to um, build relationships based off of that. Like I know um, it could really take off and there's little tweaks that I would make kind of on the next version of this, you know, layout wise and, you know, things that I've learned thus far, but, you know, getting the right partners and um, capital behind us. Like I know that this could be something that could be recreated, you know, with an element of fitness um, involved too. And, the nutrition side of things too. And it's just, yeah, no, I'm excited for it. And it's uh, very, I'm powerful. very excited for you. I, you know, you just highlighted something really interesting about the community piece in terms of a way to facilitate deeper and more meaningful connections, right? Because if you think about even boutique workout classes, like you can make friends there and bond with them, but you also don't, it's not like you're talking to each other in the mm -hmm. time during the workout. Um, yeah. so that, that's a really great point. And I'm, I'm very interested to see how that plays out as you continue to grow and make adjustments and, and everything, but clearly you're a very busy man. So I want to be respectful of your time. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. I like to wrap up all of my shows with a quick little lightning round variety of oh, questions. Oh, you didn't tell me yeah, about that one. I know I was throwing it on you just to keep you I'll on your toes. It. Yeah. You ready? Mm -hmm. All right. What is your favorite meal that you have at Fit Bar? Do you have a favorite? At the one? Fit Bar? Yeah. I, uh, I like the loco coco acai bowl. So What's in there? So it's a, we use unsweetened acai. So like our okay. acai bowls are still the OG healthy version that they were intended to be. All right. Um, I like to hear so that. So it's, it's acai, has a little bit of frozen banana for the sweetness. Um, and then it's topped with our hemp granola, cacao nibs, unsweetened cacao nibs as well. Oh, now I'm hungry. Um, a little bit of almonds and coconut shreds. And then I usually throw a little almond butter on top too, because I'm always shorting my calories and I need to get them in. So that's my go-to bowl. 
And then our smoothie is the health nut is kind of a version of that same bowl as a smoothie, um, which is like a raw cacao, um, coconut shreds, cacao nibs, peanut butter, and cool. a little bit of banana. So those are the go-tos. Sounds have that awesome. almost every single day, you know, like I said, like it's a, it's a challenge for me to get my calories in because I just go, go, go. So it's like, you know, I'll load that bowl up and I'll get me a solid thousand calories. in. Yeah, no, I know that's something that I've definitely experienced in the past year and, and taking on more projects and trying to build things. Like I always had the mindset of, um, being somebody who tracks my food for the sake of like being conscious of my calories and more of like a, you know, a calorie deficit kind of phase, but it's now completely turned into like, I'm doing this to make sure I'm getting enough. And that's yeah. been a very interesting flip in my mindset and how I look at it, which has been a very positive thing for me personally. What's your favorite kind of workout? And it doesn't have to be in the traditional sense since you, you know, we, we can have a looser definition of what that means based on our conversation. Yeah. Now for me, I like very slow workouts. Um, so partly in part kind of what created some of my imbalances and injuries was like more of a powerlifting approach, okay. but a very calm powerlifting. Like I like to know exactly what I'm doing on any given day. So whether mm -hmm. it was like, a, um, yeah, that's, so that's, I gravitate towards like powerlifting, you know, just long rest in between, you know, I usually got some like slow, um, music and, you know, in the headphones too. And it's a very calm thing for me. So I definitely appreciate very simple, slow workouts of resistance training. Like I'm not one, I, it's very hard for me. And this is again, why I tap more into the breathing to kind of work on my aerobic conditioning. Cause I, I do not like to sweat, <laughs> sweat. <laughs> I do not like to work too hard. Like, and, um, yeah, so very slow and controlled. I definitely, uh, like okay. those workouts it calms me down. Cause I, I'm not go, I'm go, always go, up go here all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, you talked a lot about creating more space for yourself and mentioning that you're a creative person. So I imagine that's a goal of yours and doing that and shifting focuses elsewhere can lead to more exciting projects or doubling down on certain things that maybe you've only gotten to scratch the surface with. So mm -hmm. as you're walking through that journey, what are you most exciting about dedicating more, most excited about dedicating more time to? Um. <clears throat> in part like seeing these things through as they could actually be right like i'm really mm -hmm. good at manifesting things making things happen and getting things to a certain point then my personality takes on and like i get very distracted and want to go do that again somewhere else um so i'm excited about getting some help and and keeping me focused on the things that i say that i ultimately want to do um while also putting together the system to be able to take things to where they could be you know the space bar again for example there's no reason why with the right team that this can be a franchisable model and very profitable while doing a shit ton of good for people and giving them so many tools right so it's like i know like whether it's a self-limiting belief or not like it is what it is like i know i can't do that on my own you know what i mean there's no way uh, one, because I know I'm going to want to go and probably do something else, but getting the right team and, and then being able to step back five years from now and see 10 locations, um, you know, would be amazing. So like, I'm excited for that because I do feel like I'm, the pain is, 